It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? MFFSOSS.com at MFFSOSS, Twitter, Instagram, What is up? Hopefully, everybody had a good weekend. Um, big, big pod. This might be one of our longer ones in a while, folks, because we got a lot to talk about. I got a lot of takes to get off. Like, usually, you know, you get the recaps. I'll throw in a take or two about a player but or a coach, but um, takes are usually reserved for the uh, previews, you know, ahead of the games. But there's going to be a lot of takes this, this, this episode because we had a, another Premier League PGMOL VAR blunder on Saturday afternoon in the capital. So we'll touch on that, and we'll talk about that in the kickoff. Then into our NFL Week 4 recap, College Football Week 5 recap, Weekend Soccer recap. We got a Champions League match day 2 preview. And then another thing where I'm going to get a bunch of takes off, Europe winning the Ryder Cup. Um, I, I knew that we weren't going to win there. I told you that last week. They always win there. We never win. We don't win with first-time captains almost ever. Um, so we set ourselves up to fail. But, you know, we'll, I'll, I got a lot of takes in that uh, Ryder Cup segment. Then we'll recap. So I put locks and pick six. Pick six, I feel like I got robbed, to be honest. I, I really do. I, to be honest, I really felt like I got robbed in pick six. But what are you going to do? So big, big, big pod on this Tuesday. Premier League, PGMOL, VAR, blunder. That we'll do in the kickoff. NFL Week 4 recap. College Football Week 5 recap. Weekend soccer recap across the five leagues. In Europe, Champions League Match Day 2 preview. And the Europeans win the Ryder Cup. We have that in takes, Survivor Pool Locks, and Pick 6 recap. All right. Kickoff. Another Premier League PGMOL blunder. And if you're not familiar with the PGMOL folks or VAR or all these acronyms I'm throwing out at you, basically... The PGMOL is the organization that um, administrates and organizes the referees and who they're responsible to, right? Because they're not really – they're a part of the league in a way because the PGMOL is part of the FA, which is a part of the league, so that's kind of how it is. But they're their almost separate entity, right, the PGMOL, right? Um, so we've already had multiple VAR, PGMOL issues this season, Um which we'll detail and and I'll look back on at the end of this kind of segment when we you know talk about this specific one, but the one that occurred on Saturday in a standalone game, prime time in the UK, lunchtime kind of kickoff here in the U.S. at least on the East Coast, morning kickoff in L.A. Big big window, two big teams, two unbeaten teams in the capital of the country, and. The blunder that took place in this one is heinous. Okay, and, you know, I know there's a bunch of incidents in the match between the yellow cards that amounted to Jota getting sent off, Curtis Jones getting sent off to a straight red after his uh, yellow card was upgraded to a red card. There's a missed penalty, possibly. Um, Multiple times Tottenham got uh, players asked for cards. That's supposed to be a card now. But that wasn't happening. Um, so there were many, many situations. But the one that 
is the incident that is being talked about, the one that has to be talked about in a nil-nil game after Curtis Jones had already been sent off. Salah plays a really good ball to Diaz. Great finish. Pass Vicario. Ten men Liverpool score away from home. And now the match, that's the big uh, next turning point, if you will. If the Curtis Jones was the first one, that incident of his yellow being upgraded to red, the next moment in the match, that Diaz goal. It was ruled offside by the linesman. So the broadcast shows the VAR screen, which is the protocol we've been used to. However, this year, they're not showing us the lines. I think last year they didn't show us the lines. Either, now I think about it. But in previous years, they had shown us the lines. They showed us the whole process. They showed them clicking on the player and drawing the line and zooming in and all that. Now they don't. Okay? The image shows Diaz clearly onside when the ball is played. And the play goes on. And it was in the moment, like, wait a second. He was onside, and the VAR image showed him onside. So how how is it play on? Like, how is it not Liverpool 1-0, right? We go on to learn that the VAR, Darren England, said check complete to Simon Hooper, and play went on. So at that point, we're under the assumption that either there's another frame that they're not showing us where Diaz is offside. Or there's been a mistake and something has gone wrong, right? So, match goes on. Liverpool get another player sent off, Diogo Jota. So, it goes down to nine men. And Tottenham get a goal, uh, an own goal off Joel Matip that is the winner in stoppage time, late in stoppage time, one of the last kicks in the match, right? So... And Tottenham go crazy celebrating like they won a World Cup, whatever. But I, I respect Big Ange. Big Ange won graciously. Um, so I give him a lot of credit. However, PGMOL statement released shortly after the game ended. Quote, PGMOL acknowledge a significant human error occurred during the first half of Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool. The goal by Luis Diaz was disallowed for offside by the on-field team of match officials. This was a clear and obvious factual error and should have resulted in a goal being awarded through VAR intervention. However, the VAR failed to intervene. PGML will conduct a full review into the circumstances which led to this error. End quote. Uh, Klopp was read this statement in his post-game presser, basically calling it, you know, the most unfair game he's ever seen. Uh, you guys get to laugh at it. I get fined. It's expensive for me if I talk about it, you know, joking with the journalists. So he was obviously distraught, very proud of his team, proud of his the effort and the, the will and the fight of his team. Unfortunate to not get anything out of the game, but hey, that is what it is, right? So originally, you know, we're thinking, okay, human error. Maybe they drew the lines on the wrong guy. Maybe they flipped the wrong kind of color and they said Diaz was the defender instead of, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I was just kind of thinking, okay, how how could it have been how could it have been a human error? What happened? Like, the lines were drawn incorrectly. Is it the wrong shot? What happened? What happened? So, that was the kind of original reaction from a lot of people about the lines. Until a report broke out Saturday night, Dale Johnson from ESPN, who does, like, the VAR 
um, review, I guess. I think his, his, his article, his column is called. I'm sorry, Dale. My apologies for getting that wrong. But uh, he does a really good job. If you're interested in this kind of stuff, he does like tallies and he says this team is plus one or minus one on decisions that were right or wrong with VAR, whatever. Anyway, credit to him. But he has a story. Basically says VAR England said check complete because he thought it was a goal. The human error from the statement is a misunderstanding from the VAR to the on-pitch officials. So it wasn't the lines. It wasn't the wrong frame. It wasn't, you know, they screwed up something with the VA, the technology. England said check complete because he thought it was a goal, the VAR. The on-pitch ref heard check complete thinking it was offside, and said play on. So the point now shifts from they drew the lines wrong, it's a conspiracy, to this. And I'm not even going to go into conspiracy stuff. I'm not even trying to do that. But I will say this. Number one, if this is all true, release the audio. And how come it hasn't been released yet? Because the longer this thing goes and you don't release the audio... the validity of said audio becomes questioned. Okay? Number one, release the audio. Number two, how come Darren England, the VAR, didn't say something to Simon Hooper when the game continued? Hey, man, it was a goal. Stop the game. Now, if you're going to tell me, well, the rules, the laws of the game are once it's restarted after VAR, you can't go back. I think this is a little different. The fact that the VAR guys are like, yeah, it's a goal, and the guys on the pitch are like, no, it's not a goal. I think it's a little simple miscommunication that can be solved very easily. Blow the whistle. Hold on, hold on, guys. I'm sorry. I misheard. It's a Liverpool goal. Look back at it. It's onside. Kick off Tottenham. 1-0. Added on extra time. for, for Added on stoppage time, sorry. For the first half. Why couldn't that happen? So, I'm not going to sit here and be like, the game should be replayed. It's never going to happen. But something has to come of this. Now, I understand, you know, England and his team were taking off VAR for the rest of the weekend. Well, guess what? Him and a couple other guys that were on this crew ref the game in the UAE on in, in the midweek. Paid out of pocket by the UAE guys who happened to own... Oh, Manchester City. Now, these are facts. I'm not saying that Manchester City told... I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that's a fact. Now, if you want to say it's fatigue, that they, they traveled and now they're refing a game, that's a joke to me. Because a lot of the best ones ref multiple games a week. So that's a joke to me. Um, but the idea that, one... Release the audio if this is all true. And two, why didn't the VAR tell the on-pitch official, hey, man, that's a goal. Like, stop the game. And if your reasoning to that is, oh, well, the law states that once the game is restarted, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And you'd be like, AJ, you're just balling. You should have in Liverpool. I've been going nuts about VAR for Years. Years. And don't just say it's been for Liverpool decisions against them. That's not true. 
So I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And you're saying, well, it's just because it's Liverpool. That's not true. Don't say that. Because I would be screaming about the refs regardless. And if you're going to be like, well, AJ, you say stuff about the refs in soccer but not about football. It's different. Come on. There's hundreds of plays in a football game. There's like seven to eight big moments in a soccer match, maybe. Come on. Don't compare, okay? So all the people, I'm already defla- I'm debating your point. Shout out Healthy Debate. Go subscribe. Shout out Rico Bosco. Riders, stronger together. The VAR here is a joke. How they didn't say it was a goal is a joke. How the audio hasn't been released to this point. Me recording this Monday night for t- you guys to hear on Tuesday. How the audio has not been released yet is a joke. So, it's scary. So, here's the Liverpool statement on Sunday. This is all Saturday, by the way. So, now Sunday. Liverpool Football Club acknowledges the PGMOL's admission of their failures last night. It is clear that the correct application of the laws of the game did not occur, resulting in a sporting integrity being undermined. We fully accept the pressure that match officials work under, but these pressures supposedly to be alleviated not exacerbated by the existence and implementation of VAR. It is therefore unsatisfactory that sufficient time was not afforded to allow the correct decision to be made and that there was no subsequent intervention. That such failings have already been categorized as, quote, significant human error, unquote, is also unacceptable. Any and all outcomes should be established only by the review and with full transparency. This is a vital for reliability of future decision-making as it applies to all clubs with learning being used to make improvements to processes in order to ensure this kind of situation cannot occur again. In the meantime, we will explore the range of options available given the clear need for escalation and resolution, end quote. So Liverpool means business. This is a big statement. Um, even just that last line, we're going to explore the range of options. Like, that's big, folks, um, because this is really bad. And then Liverpool also on Monday formally requested the audio from the PGMLL. So... This is just another instance, guys. So let's go back. Let's go all the way back. There have been 13 statement apologies in the last 13 months from the PGMLL. So we have August 20th, 2022, Crystal Palace 3, Velo 1. Andy Madley changed his mind on a Crystal Palace penalty after consulting the pitch side monitor despite Lucas Digne handling the ball. These are from Sky Sports. Shout out Sky Sports. Chelsea 2-1, September 3rd. 2022 over West Ham. Jared Bowen was wrongly judged to have fouled Chelsea goalkeeper Edward Mendy, ensuring West Ham's late equalizer was disallowed. Could have been 2-2. Newcastle nil, Crystal Palace nil, September 3rd, 2022. Same day. An own goal by Palace's uh, Tyreek Mitchell was disallowed after Joe Willock was wrongly ruled to impede goalkeeper Vincent Yepp. No, no there. Man U, Arsenal, 3-1 United. September 4th, 2022. The next day. Martinelli's goal for Arsenal was disallowed by VAR after Morton Odegaard was incorrectly deemed to have fouled Erickson in the buildup. Okay? Continued. October 20, 2022. Fulham 3, Villa 0. Douglas Louise was sent off for Villa despite Mitrovic uh, fouling in the buildup. Forest 2, Brentford 2. November 5, 2022. Brentford were awarded a penalty despite replay showing Dean Henderson made minimal contact with Wissa for a penalty, the goalkeeper. Villa 3, United 1, November 6, 2022. Ligas Digne scored a free kick, but a post-match review concluded that the United wall was set too far back, giving the, vo- the Villa fullback extra room for the set piece, so they put the wall in the wrong spot. 
Brighton 2, Liverpool 1. Fabinho escapes with only a yellow after studs up challenge on Aaron Ferguson. That was January 29, 2023. See, Liverpool won that. I'm, I'm, hey, they got it wrong. Palace, Brighton 1 1. February 11, 2023. VAR, John Brooks drew an offside line in the wrong place, denying Brighton's Estepignon the opening goal at Sellers Park as a legitimate goal was ruled out. So that one finished 1 1. Could have been a different match. And then coming into more into this new year, last season still. Arsenal 1, Brentford 1, February 11, 2023. Tony's offside equalizer was allowed to stand despite VAR review, overseen by Lee Mason, who failed to spot Notegaard standing in an offside position. That could have changed the league, folks. Everton 0, Man City 1, February 26, 2023. Referee Paul Tierney and VAR Chris Cavanaugh missed a handball from Rodri, failing to award Everton a penalty. Tottenham 2, Brighton 1, April 8, 2023. Hoiberg appeared to have fouled Matoma in the Tottenham box, but Atwell declined to award a penalty, and VAR Salisbury supported the decision. Didn't give a penalty, didn't tell him to go to the screen. Wolves, and now into, finally, the two decisions, the two apologies so far this season. United won Wolves nil August 14, 2023. Onana recklessly challenges Wolves players inside the Man U box. Jonathan Moss fails to instruct on-pitch referee Simon Hooper to check the pitch side monitor for a penalty. And then Tottenham 2, Liverpool 1, September 30th, 2023. Luis Diaz goal. Ruled out for Liverpool after being incorrectly ruled offside. VAR, Darren England failing to intervene. It should have said pitch side ref Simon Hooper. But they didn't throw him in there, I guess, to give him a bone. So that's every single apology in the last 13 months. 13 decisions, 13 apologies. This technology is not at fault. It is the people operating it. It's been the same points I've been making over and over and over again about this stuff. The people operating it are at fault, not the technology. So when I hear people say, oh, we got to take the technology out, it's not the technology, it's the referees. And remember my other point about VAR in the English Premier League especially. They're protecting their buddies. They don't want to see their guy go to the screen. And I said it long before Mike Dean admitted it at the start of the season when he talked about uh, not sending Anthony Taylor to the screen during that Tottenham-Chelsea match last year. That was crazy, that 2-2. That ended in the handshake between two managers that aren't even at those clubs anymore. He confirmed that theory. They don't want to tell their buddies they made a mistake and send them to the screen. They don't want to do it. So there's already that. Now we have a decision made from the VAR that's basically like, hey, man, that's a goal, and they continued to play nil-nil. That's a travesty. That's a disgrace. And again, if you're just saying, AJ, you're just complaining because I just went through 13 decisions in 13 months. That is a disgrace. This is supposed to be the best league with the best refs and the best play. This is horrible. This is a crime. This is a robbery. And they haven't released the audio. If all these things are true, release the audio and let's get better from it. Why haven't they released the audio yet? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm just going to say this. Remember last year? End of the season, Liverpool 4, Tottenham 3 at Anfield, and Klopp went crazy at the fourth official, and he screamed to Paul Tierney. Liverpool have led 
the fair play table since Klopp has come in. It's a statistical tally of yellow cards, red cards, fouls, all that kind of stuff. Liverpool have led that, meaning they're the most sportsmanship team, whatever you want to say, right? Since that moment last season, Liverpool have now had five guys sent off. Think about that. So, just saying. But it's it's I'm more concerned for the whole league because what if, like, Liverpool win that game. Let's just say they go. They win that game. They go top of the league. The, the whole table is different now. Man City lost. Arsenal won. United lost. Tottenham would have lost. Had that decision. Went. And even if it's one point each, it's a different table. So, more about that game when we recap it. Specifically that game. This was more about the VAR as a whole and the reaction from it. Uh, but we'll talk more about the game when we go into the weekend soccer recap. All right. Let's recap NFL Week 4. Started on Thursday. Detroit, Green Bay, and the Lions are going into Lambeau. They win again, 34-20. Goff got picked off early. It set up a Carlson field goal. So Green Bay on the board, 3-0. Then Goff hits Laporta for a big play. Then he hits St. Brown for a touchdown. Lions up 7-3. Goff scrambles when they get it back. Sets up goal to go. Montgomery punches it in 14-3. Then a St. Brown reverse. Set up goal to go. They only get a field goal out of that one. So Patterson field goal made it 17-3. Then Love. Picked off, immediately goal to go for the Lions. They punch it in again with a Montgomery touchdown, 24-3. Patterson field goal ends the half, 27-3. Um, 12 play drive for the Packers to get it started. They got back in the game here. Love to Watson, touchdown, two-point play, good. They're down 27-11. They get it back. Love to read, deep shot. Love, touchdown run, two-point play, no good. So they're down 10 instead of 8. Patterson kicks a good field goal, but a flag on the Packers extends the drive. They get to a goal to go, but they can't punch it in until fourth and goal. Montgomery, another touchdown. So the line's up 34-17. Love hit Torrey on a deep shot. Then he got picked off. It set up um, Lions not getting any points from that. Packers end up getting another field goal to make it a 14-point game, but cannot get any closer. Lions go into Lambeau, win again. Dan Campbell's guys making plays. Um, yeah, Goff got picked off early, but then he had a really strong game, I thought, making a lot of good throws. I felt Jordan Love wasn't terrible, but early on he made some mistakes, um, including some just not great decision-making. Again, he gets them kind of back in the game in the third quarter, but they can't get a big stop. Um, they're almost off the field, but then the Lions kill more clock, and then they end up getting a touchdown after that. Uh, Patterson field goal. So Lions beat the pack on Thursday night. Sunday, we had a game in Wembley, Jacksonville, and Atlanta. Jacksonville's going to play the Bills ne next week at Tottenham Stadium, so they're going to stay in London. And it was the Jags in this one, 23-7. Listen, the Falcons, they might have to do something at quarterback. Ritter is just clearly a different guy home and away, and it's just tough. It's tough because Jacksonville started the game – Solidly. Lawrence to Ridley touchdown. They're up seven nothing. Then a McManus field goal made it ten. Then Ritter threw a pick six. Great play. And it was cool to see if you were watching the Toy Story game. It was fun. That was fun. I I, I had it on for a little bit uh, when they were working out the glitches. So and then I flipped to the regular broadcast, even though it was Orlovsky, who's the worst. Um by the Ryder Cup on my laptop. I, I had a lot of things going on. I had multiple screens going, right? So Ritter throws that pick six. It's seventeen nothing. Ritter gets picked again. 
Jags set up, but they can't convert a fourth and one at the Atlanta seven. So there they would have punched it in, possibly. Uh, we would have had a shot at, you know, maybe the over. Unfortunately, we got even close. Half end, same score. Then Ritter to London, touchdown fitting. That was a touchdown. 17-7. McManus field goal made it 20-7. Falcons turned over on downs. McManus, another field goal, made it 23-7. Then Ritter, strip sack to seal it. Jags win 27-3. Pittsburgh and Houston. How about the Houston Texans? D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud. Year one, getting back-to-back -back home wins. One over division rival, and now they welcome the Pittsburgh Steelers and leave, tell them to leave town with a loss. Uh, win a 30-6. Big, big beatdown of the Steelers. Uh, C.J. Stroud run, ruled a touchdown, overturned. Then they score on a screen. It comes back on a flag. Then a Steelers penalty gave them a fresh goal to go. Stroud to Collins, touchdown, 7 nothing. Pickett then got picked off on a deep shot. Sorry. Fairband back-to-back -back field goal, so it was 10 nothing, then 13 nothing. Texans then turned it over on downs, but they get it back. Another Fairband field goal, end of the half. So it's 16 nothing Steelers. Boswell, two field goals for the uh, – sorry, 16 nothing Texans. Boswell, two field goals for the Steelers. Made it a 10-point game, but then Pickett got sacked on a fourth down. He goes down. It's a turnover on downs. He's out of the game. Singletary to Schultz on a trick play touchdown on a double pass, 23-6. And then Stroud hits Collins to make it 30-6. So impressive stuff from Houston. Pittsburgh's defense is good. Uh, I don't want to kill Kenny because I think he's pretty banged up coming into this year to begin with. And... His line isn't great, that's for sure. He has some weapons, but he doesn't really have a lot of time to get it to him, unfortunately. So uh, that's the situation there. But, hey, credit the Texans. Rams-Colts, I told you the Rams are going to win this game. They win it overtime, 29-23. I was sweating a little bit, especially being up 23-0, and then they let the Colts back in the game eventually at overtime, which was infuriating. But, anyway, Richardson starts for the Colts. He's back uh, under center and in the gun for them. Stafford led the Rams right down the field. Kenlin Williams touchdown, Rams up 7-0. He's had a good season. Uh, Stafford then, multiple completions again. The Rams drive. Williams sets up a goal to go, and it's another touchdown for him, 14-0. Richardson then fumbles. Rams get a field goal out of it, 17-0. They get another Maher field goal later in the half, 20-0. Colts move it, but their drive ends with no points after Gay misses a field goal. Then Maher misses a field goal of his own. That ended the half. Rams get a third Maher field goal, make it 23-0. Then the Colts finally get it going offensively. Richardson, Ali Cox, touchdown. Two-point play is good, 23-8. Stafford then gets picked off, but the Colts can't do anything with it. They turn it over on downs, fourth and seven at the Ram 31. Then the Rams are thinking, all right, let's get a score, you know, get our lead going, get, get positive momentum from our offense. No, Maher misses another field goal. Colts get into the red zone. And into the end zone, a Richardson touchdown, 23-15. Then they get it back. Richardson to Olga Tree. They connect multiple times for multiple first downs on this drive. Fourth and four, Richardson hurts, uh, hits Granson to keep that drive alive. Then Richardson, Olga Tree, touchdown. Two-point play is good. 23 up. Rams punt. Colts punt. Rams punt. Colts get it back with five seconds left. So we go to overtime, and the Rams didn't let the Colts touch it. Stafferton, Akua, big play, and then they connect. For the walk-off game-winning touchdown, Stafford, Nakua, ball game, Rams 29-23. Impressive stuff from the Rams, even though they nearly blew that game. Minnesota-Carolina, I had this game pinned. I was 100% right about this game. Carolina not only should have covered this game, but they should have won this football game. And 
I understand. I, I guess I trusted an 0 4 but Minnesota's really bad, and they let them off the hook. They did. Minnesota wins this game 21-13. I don't want to hear it because third and goal, Cousins throws a 99-yard pick six. That should have never been thrown, and he's a veteran, and he's got to know better. That was terrible. So 7 nothing Carolina. Panthers then moving it. A flag on a third, and goal gives them a fresh set of downs, but they can't punch it in. Remember that because Pinheiro field goal made it 10 nothing instead of 14 nothing. Cousins to Jefferson, chunk play. They connect for a touchdown, so it's 10-7 Carolina. Cousins picked again. Panthers, another Pinheiro field goal. That one ends the half, so they're in front 13-7. to Panthers on the move again, and here's where the game changed. Just outside the red zone, Young fumbles, scoop and score the other way for the Vikings. So two defensive touchdowns, one by each team to this point, and the Vikings in front 14-13, a lead they would not relinquish because they get good field position the next time they get the ball. Cousins, Jefferson, touchdown, 21-13. Panthers finally get it going again. Young, shark, chunk play, fourth and one. Hubbard converts that on the ground, sets up goal to go. But on fourth and goal, Bryce Young gets sacked, turned over on downs. They end up almost getting the ball back, but two seconds left. Cousins just throws it out of bounds instead of Minnesota punting it and giving the Panthers a chance to run a pump back. Smart play, actually, by Cousins. You know, drop back, waste the seconds, huck it out of bounds. Nobody gets it, right? So Minnesota gets their first win of the season. Carolina loses again. Tampa and New Orleans down in New Orleans. Tampa gets another big win for them, 26-9. Carr started for the for the Saints, which I thought was insane. I never thought he was going to play this game, to be fair. And the Saints actually got on the board first with a groupie field goal, three nothing. But Bake to Otten touchdown. Bucks in front, seven three. Bake got picked off, but the Saints fumbled it right back. Bake to Palmer touchdown after it was goal to go, half end shortly after. So it's fourteen three Bucks at the break. Groupie another field goal for the Saints made it fourteen six. A McLaughlin field goal for the Bucks made it seventeen six. Groupie made it 17-9 an eight-point game, but the Saints could not get a stop. Bake, Tompkins, touchdown, missed extra point, made it a little interesting at 23-9, but the Saints fumble. Tampa adds another field goal, 26-9, and then Carr gets picked off at the end of the game. Kind of meaningless, but it is what it is. Tampa, another win. Washington and Philly. Philly escapes at home in overtime, 34-31. The Commanders open the game with a 14-play drive. Curtis Samuel, touchdown run. 7-0. Eagles answer with a 12-play drive of their own that ended in a swift touchdown run. So, 7-7. Commanders going in. Robinson fumbles at the goal line, but McLaurin recovers it for a touchdown. You can fumble it forward until a certain point in the game and recover it in the end zone. Otherwise, it would have had a big return to the spot of the fumble. Um, Washington up 14-7 at that point. Then the Commies get a sly field goal, so it's a 10-point lead. Eagles, two-minute offense. And that's them and Elliott field goal. So, it's 17-10. Washington at the break. Eagles open up the half with another Elliott field goal, so they cut the lead to four. Eagles get it back. Hurts, Brown, long catch-and-run touchdown, multiple blocks from his guys down the field. And it was kind of like a – almost like a drill where it was only a couple people on the field and you just had to beat them down the field like once the ball was up in the air. It was kind of like a recess play almost. But Eagles go in front, two-point play, good, 21-17 at that point. Another Elliott field goal made it a seven-point game, so it was 24-17. Commanders – Answer, a roughing the passer uh, penalty. Or is it roughing? I think it was a roughing, like, out of bounds. So that tax on yards. Howell, third down scramble. Robinson, touchdown. We're tied at 24. Then Eagles, Hurts, completions to Zacchaeus. Then to Brown for first downs. Then Hurts, back to Brown, touchdown. Eagles in front, 31-24. But Howell leads the commanders down the field, running out of time. 
Five seconds left. He throws an incompletion. Two seconds left. Last play of the game. Howell, Dotson, touchdown, extra point, good. Ron Rivera asked after the game, hey, you didn't think about going for two there and winning the game. He said, oh, my offense was tired. Brother, don't you think playing five minutes more would have made him more tired? Not one play trying to win the game right there? I don't know. That's just me. So that was insane. Uh, I disagree. And what happened to Riverboat Ron? Because we go to overtime, commanders punt, fourth and one, Hurts sneaks it. That sets up an Elliott Long 54-yarder. He buries it. Eagles win it 34-31. Now the sneak here, they finally called the Eagles offside on the sneak. I've been telling you that for as soon as they started running it. I said, the guards in the center are lined up in the neutral zone. Like, it's obvious. And the guard was getting a head start. So you're going to complain about the commander's guys with their fingers on the ball or they're in the neutral zone. At some point, we got to figure this play out. Now you're going to say, well, you know, a lot of teams start running it, but only the Eagles seem to be successful with it. Yeah, because they've been running it the most and in game situations with the same kind of personnel. That's how it works for them. They figured it out. Other teams haven't figured it out yet. They're still getting reps on it, right? I just don't want to hear it. I really don't. I'm so over it. Hey, credit the Eagles. They were down early, fought. I thought the Commanders played a pretty strong game here, and Eagles are pretty lucky to escape with a win, to be fair, but it's a win is a win is a win. So They are unbeaten. Miami and Buffalo. Listen, I thought this game might have been a little more defensive, we'll say. However, Buffalo and Miami, to be fair, started the game on fire. Bills end up winning at 48-20. Allen to Davis, 7-0. A Chan, touchdown for Miami. Cook, touchdown for Buffalo. A Chan, touchdown for Miami. 43-yard DPI sets the Bills up. Allen, Diggs, touchdown Buffalo. So five possessions, five touchdowns. It's 21-14 Bills very early into this game. Then Allen to Diggs again for their second connection, 28-14 Dolphins fumble, Bass field goal, 31-14. Then two to Berrios, touchdown, two-point play, no good. Buffalo in front by 11, a Bass field goal makes it 14. Tua gets picked off, Allen to Diggs for the hat trick. Bills in front, 41-20. Tua gets sacked on a fourth and one, turnover on downs. And Allen touchdown on the ground, his fifth combined of the day. 48-20, Dolphins then turn it over on downs couple times before the game ends so Miami goes up to Buffalo only scores 20 after scoring 70 it's tough uh, to keep that kind of stuff going but Bills are ready Bills are ready Cincinnati and Tennessee Tennessee wins it 27 to 3 Cincinnati's in trouble Burrow's clearly hurt they're not protecting him the defense is doing really well and the offense is not like I just really am worried about that locker room because I think everybody loves Burrow, but if he's hurt and he can't help the team, he should sit out, really, because their offense is, is bad. So Bengals actually get the scoring start with the McPherson field goal, but that was the only scoring of the day. Folk field goal ties it up. Then Burrow gets hit as he throws. Titans recover, but a roughing the passer keeps the ball with the Bengals. Nothing comes out of it, but it was just kind of interesting. Tannehill to Westbrook, a Kenny touchdown, 10-3. Henry a touchdown, 17-3, after he bounced off a bunch of guys then. He gets a touchdown pass after the direct snap. He throws it to Wiley. Touchdown. Titans 24-3. Half end shortly after. Then the only score of the second half was a Folk field goal. Burrow gets strip sacked. Tannehill gets picked off. Bengals turned over on downs. That was a snooze fest of a game. Baltimore, Cleveland, and also a snooze fest of a game because DTR started for Deshaun Watson. No offense to him, but Ravens win it 28-3. 
picked off. Great return. DTR was already picked off to start the game. Great return sets the Ravens up. Lamar touchdown 7-0. Then a Hopkins field goal got the Browns on the board, but that was the all the scoring they did. Ravens end up fumbling. Gordon runs, sets up, goal to go. Lamar touchdown 14-3. Lamar hits Andrews for a touchdown 21-3. Half inch shortly after. DTR picked again. Lamar to Andrews, touchdown 28-3. Then DTR picked the third time. I don't think we got to talk much about that game. Denver, Chicago, another game of matched up teams that don't have a win. Denver ends up winning at 31-28. A great comeback for the Broncos. Give them credit. They went right down the field and scored. Wilson and McLaughlin touchdowns. So they were up 7-0, but then it was really all Bears to a point where it's 28-7 because the Bears answered. Fields to more. Nice catch on the uh, right front right of the end zone next to the pylon. 7-7. Good field position for the Bears. Then led to a Fields to commit touchdown. 14-7. Then Herbert. Big run to field. Uh, Herbert big run, then Fields to St. Brown, chunk play. Fields to commit, another chunk play. Then they connect again. Fields commit, touchdown, second of the game, 21-7. Bears end the half with the turnover on downs. Then start of the second half, 15-play drive. Fields, Herbert, touchdown. They're in front, 28-7. Bears feeling good. Bears are back. Everybody's feeling good in Soldier Field, except here come the Broncos. Long McLaughlin run sets up Wilson at Johnson. Touchdown, 28-14. Broncos get it back. Another Wilson touchdown pass this time to Sutton. 28-21, then Bears with the ball, Fields, sacked, scoop, score, tie game. Fields then got it going a little bit, big scramble, a Herbert chunk run. Bears, fourth and one at the Denver 18. You can kick a field goal, save your timeouts, worst case scenario, if you need to get the ball back or if you get the ball back after you know they kick a field goal or they get a touchdown, God forbid, right, and you go down in the game. Bears take a timeout. Then they go for it from shotgun on fourth and one. Turnover on downs. Denver takes over. Wilson, Mims, deep shot. That sets up the go-ahead field goal for Will Lutz. 38-28. 31-28. Then Bears get it back. One timeout. 146 left. But Fields picked off to seal it. Broncos win. They win the game of the winless teams. And Chicago loses. So both road teams win in the games of Winless teams. Think about that. All right, 4 o'clock window. Vegas and L.A. Chargers. This game changed dramatically with O'Connell starting for Jimmy G. And also for the Chargers, no Bosa or Derwin James, but Klumak had six sacks in their absences. And Derwin James rushes the passer a little bit, but we know he's a, he's in the secondary. But he plays in the box a lot, to be fair. So he does get tackles for losses and sacks like Bosa and Mack do. Anyway. Chargers win at 24-17. Opening possession for the Chargers. Davis long run. Set up a Herbert. Touchdown 7-0. O'Connell hit Myers. Chunk play. Here come the Raiders. Jacobs run. Sets up goal to go. And then an O'Connell touchdown of his own. 7-7. Chargers then drive for a dicker the uh, kicker field goal. 10-7. O'Connell then fumble. Tillery got ejected for a hit on Herbert. Then Herbert to Allen. Touchdown. Chargers lead goes to 17-7. O'Connell fumbles again. Chargers set up in Raiders. And Herbert touchdown 24-7. Half end, same score. Raiders get a Carlson field goal to make it 24-10 in the second half. Herbert gets picked off. Raiders, 12 plays. Fourth and goal. Jacobs touchdown, 24-17. It seems like the Raiders just don't start the games well and then wake up and then try to come back in these games. It's just crazy how they spot themselves like in a hole every game. Then fourth and inches at their own 34 for the Chargers. Push play gets stuffed. So they turn over on downs. Raiders take over. 330 left. One timeout at the Charger 35. O'Connell to Adams. That set up goal to go. Next play, O'Connell picked off. Samuel 
who could have ran it back for a touchdown. Might have even been the over, folks, but he goes down. Two-minute warning, third and 11. The Raiders need a stop, but Herbert takes a deep shot to Palmer to seal it. They complete it, and that's how the Chargers won a division game at home against the Raiders, even though it was <laughs> so many Raider fans. Cardinals, Niners. Niners went to 35-16. McCaffrey touchdown. McCaffrey touchdown. Prater field goal got the Cardinals on the board, so it's 14-3. Then Purdy and McCaffrey touchdown. Dobbs to Wilson touchdown. Half end shortly after, so it's 21-10. Niners. Dobbs to Wilson again for a touchdown. They go for the two-point play to make it a field goal game. I felt like that was chasing points because it was, you know, second half early enough still. And you got back in the game at that point until McCaffrey a touchdown. Then Purdy gets a touchdown. Cardinals end up turning it over on downs. And the Niners win at home. They remain unbeaten. Cowboys bounce back against the Patriots. Bill Belichick's worst loss as a head coach. It was his biggest halftime deficit as well. So the Cowboys follow up with that one and make and finish it. So they went at 38-3. Cowboys settle for an Aubrey field goal to start. Then the Pats answer with the Ryland field goal. That was the only score they had in the game. Cowboys down the field. Dak to CeeDee Lamb touchdown. Jones got stuffed on a fourth and one turnover on downs. They get it back. Jones stripped by the Cowboy pass rush. Van Der Esch picks it up, scores a touchdown, fake extra point for two, 18-3. I don't know why we wasted a fake against the Pats in a game. You know, I don't know why we wasted that, put that on film. Probably should have saved that one. Cowboys stall for another Aubrey field goal, 21-3. Then Jones throws a pick six to Deron Bland, so it's 28-3 at the half. Jones picked off again, another red zone Aubrey field goal, made it 31-3. Jones gets pulled. Cowboys turn it over on downs. Last drive for the Cowboy offense results in a Lupke touchdown, the fullback. 38-3, Ryland then misses another field goal. I don't know why they even tried to kick that, but it is what it is. So Cowboys bounce back against the Pats. Then we had, at Jet Life, Chiefs, Jets, which ended up turning into a very, very good game, even though it was 17-0 Chiefs. Of course, Taylor in the building. And what I'll say about Taylor is this, guys, okay? Because I like Taylor. I've made this point. Um, I like Taylor Swift. I'm not necessarily a Swifty because I'm not as much into the deep cuts. I know the pop, uh, the popular songs and stuff, but I'd love to go see her live for sure, but I feel like I'd be taking a seat away from a Swifty, right? Point being, you can like Taylor Swift, you can like the NFL, and you can also be like, hey, this might be a little much. Now, to, to go to the point that the NFL is rigging it so that Taylor Swift fans are going to stay interested in the NFL if the Chiefs keep winning, if Taylor, I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that much, guys. I'm not going to go to that point. Um, but clearly, the marketing is up. The sales are up. The revenue is up. The ratings are up. If she's involved, then the Swifties get interacted with and engaged with it on their kind of terms. So we're just going to kind of have that going forward until they either break up or something happens. All right? Anyway, about the football game. Because, again, guys, like, don't get so riled up about this stuff, man. You were, AJ, you were just riled up for 20 minutes about soccer. That, okay, fair. But you get my point. This is about, like, if you're a football fan and you're like, why is Taylor Swift? It's not for you. Just say, okay, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. Right? You ever see a product that's not for you or a medicine, a pill? You just kind of ignore that commercial or shut your brain off for that five seconds or think about something else? Just think about something else. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. And I kind of like her, too. Last point, and we'll move on. Saw a lot of tweets about dads being excited about their daughters wanting to watch football with them. So just think about that. Again, maybe it's not about you. 
Maybe it's not about you. All right. So we'll leave it at that. Enough Taylor. I'm sorry. Enough Taylor. Anyway, Chiefs win a 23-20. to 20. They open up the scoring with a Bucker field goal, then some great runs from Pacheco, including the touchdown run and back in Jersey. 10-0 Chiefs. Then they get into the end zone on a Mahomes. A great touchdown, 17-0. But the scoring starts for the Jets. A holding in the end zone against the Chiefs results in a safety. So the Jets on the board. They stall, but they get a Greg the Lake field goal. So it's 17-5. Mahomes picked one play later. It leads to a Wilson to Ozoma touchdown. So here come the points for the Jets. They're down 5-17-12. A Butker field goal makes it 20-12. Greg the Lake misses a field goal. Mahomes picked again, but the half ends shortly after. Just can't get any points out of that. Jets open up the half with a really, really strong drive. Ends in a Wilson to Lazard touchdown where he fit the ball into a really tight window in the red zone there. Two-point play. He scrambles for it and runs for it. Gets in. 20-20. to Chiefs then can't get into the end zone, but they take the lead with a Bucker field goal. So it's 23-20. Wilson then fumbled. Mahomes picked, but it comes back on a hold. Get to it in a second. Then Mahomes scrambles, slides inbounds to seal it. The hold... I understand people are upset. I understand you say, hey, in that moment, you can't. It's a it's a flag. It's at least a legal contact. Down the field like that, you can't reroute receive. That's just what it's going to be. I understand Jet fans being upset about that. I understand Jet fans pointing out that their uh, Quinn Williams, I believe, was held on that play, I'm pretty sure. So I get it. I, I get where they're coming from. But that's what was called. It was called a hold. It should have been called a legal contact. Um, and that led to the Mahomes scramble two scrambles one long scramble on a third down which was outstanding he set it up like he stayed in the pocket stayed in the pocket stayed in the pocket let people get more downfield more downfield and then he just kind of took off um and, and was able to get that first down and then the one to seal it was very very important and he could have walked into the end zone so that's how you know he knew and is obsessed with situational football so chiefs win in metlife on Sunday night football, and then we had Monday night football. Seattle coming into town to take on the G Seahawks win it 24-3. They had 11 sacks of Daniel Jones. He was pressured all night. And even when he got rid of it, I mean, he threw some uh, – one definitely bad pick. But anyway, Giants actually move it. They get to the Seattle 27, and fourth and one, they try the push play, and it gets stuffed. So a turnover on downs. Then Seattle has a touchdown on Kenneth Walker run, but he gets called back because he was down. Nothing comes out of that drive. Then Jones, sack, fumble, set up a Geno to Metcalf, touchdown, 7-0 Seahawks. Then again, no long field goal was the lone giant points of the evening. Geno got banged up, so Drew Locke comes in. Third down, Locke rolls out, and he finds Noah Fant, who, I mean, he was wide open, and he just didn't get tackled and stayed in bounds and broke a couple tackles, and then... It was ruled a touchdown, but he was down at the one-yard line. Ends in a Walker touchdown run, so his second touchdown of the game. 14-3 Seattle, half end, same score. Geno back in to start the second half. Seahawks fourth and one at the Giant, 15 incomplete. Turnover on downs there. Seahawks get it back. Myers misses a field goal, so Giants still theoretically in this game, 14-3. And the Giants are on the move. Jones scrambles for a fourth down conversion. That set up goal to go, but then two plays later, he throws a 97-yard pick six to Witherspoon, who had a bunch of sacks and has been really, really playing good in year one for uh, Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks in that secondary. So that pick six made it 21-3. to Jones then hit as he throws, picked again as that ball fluttered in the air. 
Walker big run sets up a Myers field goal. Then both teams end up turning it over on downs before the Giants ran the clock out with Tyrod Taylor in the game. So Giants offensive line play is terrible. Defense wasn't bad tonight. I mean, what do they give up? Field goal. So they gave up less. So what they gave up? Seventeen. I mean, that's that's a chance. That's a chance. That's a defense keeping you in the game. And if you give up points yourself on offense, that's just a bad job, as we all know. So, hey, credit Seattle. Pete Carroll's been really good on uh, Monday Night Football. They didn't have a the toughest opponent tonight. And the Giants have been really, really bad, especially Daniel Jones in primetime games. I think he's 1-12 now, if not 1-11. So, hey, not good. Giants 1-3 to start the season. Had a lot of expectations. Seattle does a nice job winning a football game. All right, pros to the student-athletes that do get paid. College football week five recap. Number 11, Notre Dame. Number 17, Duke in Durham. Big game. Notre Dame pulls it out 21-14. ND built up a 13-0 lead, but the Dukies stormed back. Back-to-back touchdowns gave them a 14-13 lead. But then Notre Dame punches it back in. Estamine? Estamine? I don't remember how to say his name now. Estime? I don't remember. My bad, dude. Bad touchdown, put the Irish back in front, and they went on to win. Then we had another ranked matchup, Utah and Oregon State. This was Thursday night, Utah in the top 10, Oregon State coming off that loss to Mizzou back to 19. Oregon State wins it 21-7. No rising again for Utah. Tough spot for the freshman. Utes offense couldn't get it going. DJU and the Beavs did enough, especially the running game was really good. Kansas and Texas, another ranked matchup. Texas wins it 40-14. Longhorns let the Jayhawks really hang around until – Third into the fourth quarter, and then that's when Texas poured it on, made that a difference, uh, made the score differential bigger. Then, then thirteen LSU traveled to Ole Miss, the Grove, to take on number twenty. Battle of one lost teams in the SEC, trying to well, not in the SEC, you know, you know what I mean. Like they got losses, we'll say that. Ole Miss's losses in the SEC, LSU's losses in not conference play. Anyway, they have one loss. Now LSU has two, and an SEC loss to go with it. Ole Miss wins a 55-49. Dart had four touchdowns on the win. Daniels, four touchdowns on the loss. LSU had a 42-34 lead in the third quarter. Dart to Jackson, touchdown, ended up giving Ole Miss the 55-49 lead with 39 seconds left, and Ole Miss got the one stop they needed. That's what Lane Kiffin said in the postgame, and uh, Ole Miss gets a big win at home over LSU. USC, Colorado, in Boulder. USC wins at 48-41. USC lead balloon to 48-21, but three straight touchdowns on the Buffs. Nearly made the comeback complete, but couldn't get the onside kick. Williams had six touchdowns. Sanders, four touchdowns and a pick. Dion said after the game that if we got the onside kick, it was a tie game. Everyone knows it was going to be a tie game because Sanders is going to go down. Shador is going to go down and score. So there you go with that. Uh, Penn State went to Northwestern. It was 41-13. It was a game into the third quarter, but second half pretty much all Penn State. Kentucky beats Florida. I told you Kentucky was going to beat Florida at home. 33-14. Davis, four touchdowns, three rushing, one reception for the Kentucky back. Georgia was in a game in Auburn. They went at 27-20. Back to Bauer, saved the game, possibly the season. Auburn was in the game until the end. Michigan beats up on Nebraska and Lincoln, 45-7. Blowout. McCarthy, three touchdowns on a win. Mizzou beats Vandy, 38-27. Cook, four touchdowns. Oregon Knocks around Stanford, 42-6. to Knicks, four touchdowns in the win. Oklahoma beats up on Iowa State, 50-20. to Gabriel, three touchdowns on a pick in the win. Tennessee beats South Carolina. They scored touchdowns in each quarter. Pretty impressive. Bama, Mississippi State. Bama, 40. Mississippi State, 17. Bama's running game all over Mississippi State. Bulldogs 
Washington, 31. Arizona, 24. I thought they would have killed them, but Penix and the Huskies just couldn't put away the Wildcats. Give Arizona some credit for hanging around, and then Fresno State beats Nevada, 27-9. All right, weekend soccer recap. EPL, Villa Brighton. Thought this was going to be a close game. It wasn't. Villa went at 6-1. Ole Watkins, Brace, own goal. Then a Fati goal made it 3-1. Then Ole Watkins gets his hat trick. Ramsey got a goal. Louise got a goal. And that's how the scoreline was 6-1 for Unai Emery's Villa. Wolves beat Man City 2-1. An own goal gave Wolves a lead. Alvarez free kick. Golasso free kick for Alvarez. Eco equalized. And then Hawang. The go-ahead goal ends up being the winner for Wolves. Gigantic result for them at the Monliu. West Ham, Sheffield United, West Ham 2, Sheffield United nil. Jared Bone, another great goal, and Suchek, a good goal. That team is good. That front six is good. If they can be solid in the back, that'll be fine, West Ham. Newcastle, Burnley, Newcastle went at 2-0. Almiron, a goal. Isak, a pen. Man U, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace lost to them in the Cup, but they beat them in the league, 1-0. And Anderson, great finish by the defender, second phase of, second phase of set piece, if I'm not mistaken. Everton, Luton. Luton win at Goodison, 2-1. Locklear and Morris uh, from the spot. Then Calvert-Lewin, a goal. Made it interesting, but still couldn't win. Bournemouth, Arsenal, Arsenal 4, Bournemouth nil. Saka, Odegaard from the spot. Havertz gets his first goal from the spot for Arsenal. Ben White, a goal at the end of the game. And Tottenham 2, Liverpool 1. We already kind of detailed this game, but to go into further detail... Curtis Jones was sent off. To me, it's not a red card. I talked to a bunch of people that played the game, um, and that's, like, part of the game. It's a contact sport. If both players are going for the ball and they touch the ball and it rolls, like, it wasn't a he, – he didn't go in there to challenge. He went in there for the ball and got the ball and so subsequently rolled the guy. So, you know, I have a problem with them showing just this freeze frame and not full speed to begin with, but it is what it is. So Curtis Jones gets sent off. Then we have the Diaz goal correctly. Uh, incorrectly ruled offside. Humming Stone gets Tottenham on the board with a goal set up by Richarlison. But back come Liverpool. Sobasly, great ball to the back post to Van Dyke. Dummy by Matip. Gakpo, who just got hurt by uh, Destiny Ugodi, who probably should have been sent off in his own right, wasn't. Um, Gakpo, while hurt, equalizes. Then Diaz almost made it 2-1 before the half ended. Could not. Second half action. Jota, two yellows, sent off. Then in stoppage time, own goal. Matip turns in a cross. Um, and that's how it finished Tottenham 2, Liverpool 1. Unfortunately, Liverpool's first loss of the season. Tottenham remain unbeaten and go to second, if I'm not mistaken. Forrest Brentford, 1-1. That finished in Quintier, uh Sent off for Forrest. Nodegaard. Made it 1-0 Brentford, but then Dominguez equalized for Forrest, and they split the points. Fulham-Chelsea. Chelsea finally gets some goals, finally gets some first-half action, and finally gets some goals from a guy named Murdoch and Brosia. So big moments for those guys for Chelsea. They went a 2-0. We got Luton-Burnley. That's the only game we got to make up so far, if I'm not mistaken. That's on Tuesday. La Liga from last week in the weekend. Atletico beat Osuna 2-0. Griezmann, a goal. Morata had a red. Barcelona beat Sevilla 1-0 as an own goal by Sergio Ramos turned in. Real Madrid beat Girona 3-0. Joe Salute, uh, Joe Meni, and Bellingham, the goal scorers for Real. Atletico 3-2 over Cadiz. They rally from 2-0 down. Correa brace Molina, a goal. Syria, Genoa beat Roma 4-1. Lecce lose to Napoli 4-0. Osman and Polentino, Polentano, goal scorers there. 
AC Milan 2, Lazio 0, Pulisic on the score sheet there. Inter beats Salernitana 4 0. Latoro Martinez has all four goals in that match. Atalanta Juve finished 0 0. Sherti made a really good save in that match. And Roma beat Frosny 2 uh, 0. Lukaku a goal. Pellegrini a goal. Bundesliga. Dortmund beat Hoffenheim 3-1. Royce on the score sheet there. Leverkusen beat Mainz 3-0. And then 2-2, Rebel, Leipzig, Bayern Munich, Kane, a penalty, and Sané goals. Uh, Clermont and PSG drew 0-0. Champions League match day two. Group A matches. Man U, Galatasaray. Man U's got to get three points. If they want to get anywhere in this competition, otherwise they're in trouble. Uh, they need three points. Copenhagen against Munich. Tough spot. PSG, uh, Group B, sorry, PSV against Sevilla. Um, and then Len hosts Arsenal. Group C, Napoli, Real Madrid. That's a good game. If Napoli can be ready for go for that one. In Naples, it's really tough to play. So many teams have learned that. Union Berlin, uh, Braga. And then Group D is Inter, Benfica, Salzburg, Real Sociedad. Those are the matches on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, Group E, Atletico, Feyenoord, Celtic, Lazio. Group F, the group of death, Dortmund, Milan, Newcastle, PSG, gigantic games in, those, uh, in that group. Group G, Rebel, Leipzig host Man City, Red Star, Belgrade host Young Boys, Group H, Porto, Welcome in Barcelona, and Antwerp host Shakhtar. All right, Ryder Cup, 2023, Europe wins at 16.5 to 11.5. Friday foursomes, 4-0 to the Euros. Rahm and Hatton, 4-3 over Scheffler Burns. Aberg and Hovland, 4-3 over Homa Harmon. Larry Straka, 2-1 over Fowler Morikawa. Fleetwood and McElroy, 2-1 over Shoffley and Cantley. No match got to 18 on Friday morning. First time in the Ryder Cup, the Europeans had won, uh, had led a, had a 4-0 lead after the first session. Four ball on Friday, 2.5 to 1.5 Europe. So the lead was 6.5, 1.5 after two sessions. Hovland and Hatton have Thomas and Spieth. That, Thomas and Spieth let that one go. Rahm and Hogard have... Scheffler and Kepka, that's a that's another bad half from the U.S. team. They blew that match. McIntyre, Rose, halved Homa and Clark. Uh, Rose and Mack won the final two holes to have that, so the USA should have had a point there. And then McElroy, Fitz, 5-3 and three over Morikawa Shoffley. Fitz made eight birdies and an eagle. So that's where the U.S. needed points, full points from their team. If they get back in that session 3-1, it's completely different. Even... 2-2 two, two is is different, right? Um, but no, instead it's 6.5 to 5.5 after two sessions. First time the U.S. had failed to win a single match in Ryder Cup history. Zach Johnson immediately, an excuse about an illness in the Team USA camp, wouldn't elaborate further, but just kind of went into that. Then Saturday, foursomes, Europe, 3-1. Lead balloons to 7, 9.5 to 2.5. McElroy Fleetwood beat Thomas and Spieth, 2-1. Then this match is an absolute disgrace. Aberg and Hovland, 9-7 and seven over Scheffler and Kepka. Biggest victory in Ryder Cup history. That's embarrassing. Kepka continues to play knee golf in these things. You just put him out there in four ball and put him out there in the singles. Let him play three matches. He cannot play alternate shot. He's not an alternate shot guy. I don't believe, I can't believe we haven't figured this out by now. So that's the largest Ryder Cup victory in history. Lowry and Straka actually lost 4-2 to Homa and Hartman, so that was a first point for USA. And Homa and Hartman, I'll touch on them later, but I'm very proud of those guys. And I knocked Hartman, so give him credit. Um, and then Rahm and Hatton, 2-1 over Shoffley and Cantley. Then four ball in the afternoon on Saturday. Finally, the U.S. got something going, 3-1. 
USA in the session. So the lead cut to five, ten and a half to five and a half. Hovland and Aberg lose four and three to Burns more. Cower Burns was great in this format. Fleetwood Hogard lost two and one to Homa and Harmon. Homa chipped in to end in that match. Rose and McIntyre beat Thomas and Speed three and two. That's a bad showing from JT and Speed. They'll even say that. And then Cantley and Clark beat McElroy and Fitzpatrick one up on the 18th hole. The middle of that match, the story breaks about um, Cantley wanting money, not wearing the hat, all this kind of stuff. So that's going on. They're singing hats off. Like they're doing all these things, the Europeans. And Cantley makes that bomb after winning some previous holes down the stretch. Lakava's waving his hat. And here's where, you know, the disconnect is. And I'll do a little bit more, but I'll just, you know, just simple here first. LaCava's got to get out of Rory's way. He can wave his hat all he wants. Get out of the guy's way. Now, Rory's shaking his hand, and then Rory hot in the car park after going at Bones. There's got to be more to that story. Um, so, anyway, it's a five-point lead. We'll get into the more of that in a little bit. But a five-point lead into Sunday singles. Rom Scheffler get halved. Another bad job by Scheffler. He had Rom on the rope, so Scheffler had a horrible Ryder Cup. Hovland beats Morikawa four and three. Cantlay beats Rose two and one. Even though Rose played well, Morikawa three and one over Burns. Homa beats Fitz one up. And that match, guys, that kept the USA Ryder Cup dream alive because if he loses that match, Europe clinches. It's over. Like the next hour was meaningless. But Homa makes that putt, keeps the US dream alive. Hatton turns the match around against Harmon, wins three and two. Kepka wins his match, of course, three and two. JT beats Straka two up. Shoffley beats Hogard three and one. And then the last three matches, U.S. was feeling it until they didn't. Larry Spieth gets halved. Fleetwood turns it around against Fowler and wins 3-1. and one. And that was weird because Fowler conceded a putt that was for the Ryder Cup from 2 feet 8 inches, I think it was. So, like, yeah, it's in gimme range, I guess, but it's also for the Ryder Cup. And it's not like the great concession where that was the last stroke of the tournament. No, there's a lot of golf to be played if Fleetwood misses that still. So, I don't know. It was a weird move from Ricky, but it is what it is. And then McIntyre beats Clark 2-1. and one. After Clark didn't give McIntyre a short one, he ends up missing it. I was like, oh, my God, is that going to come back to haunt him? Like, no, it didn't matter. And the story continues. USA outscored and forced them 7-1. to one. They beat Europe 4.5 to 3.5 in four ball, and they should have had a bigger lead there, and they tie in singles. So, it's just not good enough. The takeaways for me, Zach Johnson is a bum. He should never captain the team again. He's he, he was happy to be there. He kept saying it was the honor of his life. Okay, then do something about it. Go win the tournament. Like To, to have that and to have that attitude, I thought it echoed through the team room. Um, I tweeted it out, my rules for Ryder Cups going forward for the U.S., especially ones in Europe. Let me pull this up because I thought it was uh, it was a good tweet. And it is my tweet, so of course I'm going to think it's a good tweet. You know what I mean. Anyway, um, here we go because I, I was tweeting so much about Liverpool. Here we go. Rules going forward for U.S. Ryder Cup teams. One, no first-time captains abroad. Two, only Tiger and Freddie can be captains until we win back-to-back tournaments. Three, one or two rookies in Europe at most. Four, if you don't want to be – if you want to be paid and don't want to be on the team, don't be on the team. So that was kind of a shot at Cantley and Shoffley. Get to them in a second. Uh, so Zach Johnson, horrific captain, one of the worst I've ever seen, and an absolute abomination of a showing, horrific and embarrassing from the U.S. team. 
The coverage was also awful. NBC should be ashamed of themselves. Um, it's disgusting. It's match play. You should show almost every shot, if not every shot. And the fact that I think it was Saturday afternoon, we just didn't see the Spieth-Thomas match against Justin Rosen and Bob McIntyre for like ages, and they just kept showing the, the matches with the U.S. lead. And you're seeing tweets from people across the pond being like, Sky Sports doesn't miss a shot. Uh, sucks to be in America. Like, it's just infuriating. And NBC is a joke. And Dan Hicks is terrible. And Azinger is terrible. And I, I used to like Azinger a lot. But he's just, he is horrific. And, and Azinger adds to it. Or, or Hicks adds to it. Um, now credit after some negative stuff. The European team was awesome. Their big three was gigantic. Rom, Rory, Hovland were amazing. The supporting guys, like the veteran, like a Rose veteran guy was huge. Fleetwood was big. Hatton was big. Lowry was big. McIntyre even played well. Fitzpatrick got some big points in his matches finally. So the European team was awesome. The rookies, Aberg and, and Hoygaard were all right. The European team was awesome. Homa was the best U.S. player, the only American in the top seven uh, all three days according to the stats if you look at like how they ranked the players throughout the whole tournament, the three days. Top point getter for America, played in five matches, won three of them, halved another one, only lost one match. I'm so proud of Max. Uh, I hope he's really proud of himself. I hope everybody in the Max Homa camp is proud of him because I'm really proud of him, and I hope a lot of Americans are proud of him because he went out there and balled in a, as, as a rookie um, and made some really big shots, chip-ins, putts, putts to extend the entire tournament for hours. Like, that was awesome. So um, that I was really, really cool with. Now, more of the Cantley, LaCava, Rory stuff. NBC coming on the air Sunday morning being like, LaCava and Rory met at the property today and everything has calmed down. And then after the match, Rory being interviewed like, hey, what happened in that meeting? He goes, I didn't meet him. I didn't meet him today. Like, So obviously NBC made something up or somebody made something up or Golf Channel. Somebody made something up and they, hash, they should have to uh, atone for that um, because that's a crazy thing to make up, number one. Number two, the Patrick Cantley stuff. With Shoffley, like, if you want to get paid for an event that doesn't pay players, then sit out and don't say a word about it. Because there are guys like Keegan Bradley who are dying to go there, and they'd almost pay to play in it. Okay? So, if Cantley and Xander Shoffley want to get off the team and, and wait till they can. Now, I understand from their perspective, like, hey, we get paid for every tournament. Uh, look at all the money this is bringing in. Brooks just got $5 million from Lit. Like, that's completely different. Brooks is on his own category. You cannot even think about comparing yourself to Brooks Kepka anymore. What's happening between your you and your tour and this team versus Liv and whatever he's at, right? So if Canley and Shoffley want to get paid, they can sit out of the team until they get paid. I don't want to see them on the team anymore. And I understand people are like, well, Canley played really good. And Saturday he saved the tournament into Sunday. And it's an honor to play in this thing. You got guys that would... Pay to play in this thing as Americans, as Europeans. They want to play in this Ryder Cup. And you're sitting there being like, well, look at all the money it makes, and I want more money. How much is enough, Patrick Cantley? How much is enough, Xander Shoffley? Isn't this the same question you just asked of your colleagues when they left for live? And now here you are talking about the Ryder Cup, which is like the ultimate sportsman's tournament, the ultimate, like, yeah, it's a it's a gentleman's game, but it can get fiery competitive in the home field event. Like, and you're like, well, you know what? I should be paid for this. Shut up. 
And I'm really disappointed in Joe LaCava. I'm really disappointed in Xander Shoffley. I'm really disappointed in Patrick Cantlay. I'm really disappointed in Zach Johnson. I'm really disappointed in Brooks Kepka. I'm really disappointed in a bunch of the other Team USA guys. Scotty Scheffler stunk. Hey, I love Colin. He stunk. Jordan didn't play great. Give JT credit. He battled. Give Max Homa, Brian Harmon credit. They battled. Sam Burns even showed up. So, listen. It was a disgrace. Zach Johnson's captaincy. And we should have rules going forward about this tournament. And who the captains are. And who can be on the team. And if you have a problem with the process, sit out of the tournament. Don't play. Like... The fact that we got to have, oh, well, he doesn't want to have a tan for his wedding. Oh, he doesn't want to um, wear the hat. It's too big. Oh, he oh he wore a hat in the President's Cup. Well, the, hey, the President's Cup, they get paid. So if that's your, like, hey, we get paid the President's Cup. Why don't we get paid the right? Because as much as I love the President's Cup and it's a great competition between everybody else in the world besides Europe against us, that's pretty cool. How, like, an Australian and a Canadian can be on the same team as a guy from uh, Korea, as a guy from South Africa. That's pretty cool. I think that's great, right? But it doesn't draw as well. And it's not as big of a deal as the Ryder Cup. So why do you think they make you or they pay you guys to go to either, like, Australia or some crazy part of the world that's not Europe every other year if you're really good and on the team? So... I, I don't want to hear it. I'm kind of done with Patrick Canley. I was kind of done with him a couple of years ago. Um, even before I seen I saw the slow play stuff, I just didn't I didn't really get it. He's a good player, but to me, he's never going to win the major. Yeah, he can win some big tournaments and be involved in these teams and have big moments, but I don't think over four days he's ever going to win a major, be good enough to win a major. Xander Shoffley should have won a major by now. I understand he's a gold medalist, but, you know, When's he going to win one? They can just, both of them can go screw off, to be honest. Like, I'm I'm over it. If you don't want to be on the team, don't be on the team. If you want to be paid, guess what? They don't get paid yet, so I don't know. I don't know. I just don't like it. And I get that they're friends and they're close and they can disagree but still play on the team. But look at the camaraderie of the European room. Look, they all play for each other. They all care so much about each other. Like, look at them. It means so much. And to our guys, they're like, yeah, I guess it's cool to represent your country on our highest level, but I kind of want to get paid for it because I see all the advertisements go, dude, shut up. And then they're like, it was a non-story. It's clearly a story. Now, did Jamie Weir, you know, probably go out of pocket with it? Yeah, probably. But it still is a story, let's be honest. So, I don't know. That's that's probably the golf talk until, you know, we start the, the good tournaments in the new year. But th it was honestly a disgrace. A disgrace. And if you're a USA golf fan and you don't have the same, you know, taste in your mouth about losing in Europe over and over and over and over again, I, you're not a real U.S. golf fan. Because enough's enough. And now they're coming over here to Bethpage in two years. Thinking, We're going to win there. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, my ass is going to be there. And I'm going to be a factor. No, I'm, just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but I definitely want to go. For sure. All right. Let's wrap it up. Stride pool locks. Recap. 3-0, 3-0, 3-0. 10-2 Philly a win in overtime. San Francisco a win over Arizona. Kansas City a win over the Jets. 
couple narrow ones there, but we win. Pick six, 12 and 12 on the year after a two and four week. Listen, I don't, I'm sorry. Atlanta Jacksonville over 43. I feel like I got screwed in that game. I, I know you could be like, it wasn't even close. It kind of was. A couple of things went the wrong way. Pittsburgh, Houston under 43 was a win. Rams plus one outright winner in Indy. Carolina plus four versus Minnesota. I got witching Howard in that game. Miami Buffalo under 55. I was wrong. I was wrong about the pace of that game. And then Vegas Charter. I took that game when Carr was playing. Or Carr. Jimmy G. I took that game when Jimmy G was playing. I was like, that's going to be an over. I know some guys are banged up in the Charger defense. I think that's going to be a lot of points. And then they like it should be 24 up. And either way, O'Connell either throws a touchdown there and it's 24 up. Or he throws the pick and Asante Samuel Jr. runs it back. He stopped. So... Bad luck there. 12 and 12 on the year. We'll try to get that right for Thursday's show. All right. But that was this one. I told you a lot of takes. I told you it was probably going to be a long one. So, yeah, a lot of takes. Ryder Cup, embarrassing. Uh, referees in England, embarrassing. Some good NFL games, though. All right. Everybody have a good week. We'll talk to you Thursday. NFL Week 5 preview. College Football Week 6 preview. More soccer. And all that. Until then, peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.